Blue South is a Southern-born podcast looking to address today's politically charged world and the importance of inclusion, redefining the establishment, and true equality for all. I'm Megan. I'm Adele. Together, we We are are Blue Blue South. South. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to episode five. Hey. Um, Today, we are going to start off our episode with an interview all right, so on today's episode, we have Dwayne Gregory. He's running for a congressional seat in New York's District 3. Um, thanks for being on the show with us today, Dwayne. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's uh, you know, here in Long Island in the 2nd District. We're trying to flip this district. It's, uh, you know, Peter King has been the representative for 25 years and, and really has tried to attach himself to the Trump agenda. But it's a district that President Obama has won uh, or won in, in both of his elections, and, uh, and it's ready to turn blue, and we're ready to do it. We're happy to hear that. So for your issues, you've got four major ones, and I'd like to talk about campaign uh, finance reform last. So if you'd like to start on women's rights? Sure, absolutely. You know, in this Republican agenda that's, you know, that's attacking uh, women and you know whether it's you know equal pay or or um, you know through the ACA and and um, <clears throat> you know pre-existing conditions, um, you know there there is a clear agenda that is against the best interests of, of women and in, 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 in this country. Um, certainly, also as it comes to uh, abortion, um, and Peter King has. You know, a very, <laughs> you know, checkered path. I won't even say checkered path. He used to run on the right to life line and believes that, you know, um, is, is voted against abortion, even in cases of rape and incest. He just views it as a means of conception. And, uh, and that's just unacceptable, particularly in this, in this, you know, moderate leaning district in Long Island. Um, you know, and women, you know, they want to make, the, they want to have the right to, to make health care decisions about their bodies. And, uh, and they want to ensure that, um, that um, the voices are being heard. And while Peter King or Republicans are looking to defund Planned Parenthood, you know, we understand that Planned Parenthood, you know, the services that they provide are far vast and far more than just abortion services and that's just a small fraction of what they do. Uh, it's about really about access to health care. And uh, you know, my mother years and years ago used to work for Planned Parenthood. So, you know, they provide wonderful services for, for people who, you know, in many areas wouldn't have access to any type of health care if it weren't for, for what they do. Um, so it's important that we have people that understand that. I love all of those things you just said. Body autonomy for women, like... Who, who would have thought that women would want that? And Planned Parenthood, I've been a, a donator and also a patient before. So, um, yeah, Planned Parenthood is, a, is great to have in our communities. It doesn't hurt it. Absolutely. And it's just... And equal pay for equal these... work. <laughs> also right, one. right. Yeah. It's refreshing to see um, a man actually make that a huge part of his platform. Like, I, I really think that that's awesome, that you, you really care so much to include that. How do we get more Democrats to be as, uh, as bold as you? Well, I think, you know, you have to really take a look at, 
you know, the, the policies and how they impact people. And it's not, you know, when you talk about particularly uh, equal pay, right, you're not just talking about that particular individual. You're talking about a family now, you yeah. know, because the less money, uh, um, you know, the, the mother is bringing in or the woman uh, is bringing in, um, you know, less disposable income that family has to, to save for a new home or, to, you know, the pay to bills or, you know, disposable income that they have or save for the kids' college education or, or retirement plans and things of that nature. And, and just really taking a step back and looking at those types of things. And it's, and when you look at it from that context, it's, it's, it's simple, you know, and, um, and we have to have more people fighting for what makes sense, you know, and it's just common sense that we should be uplifting families and uh, and not discriminating against people because of their gender, you know? I think, sorry, I think the economy and businesses really suffer when women have to decide if they're going to stay at home and take care of kids because the ch- the cost of childcare is so outweighs what they're paying, like that mm-hmm. we're all hurting. Oh, yeah. Quick question. Do you have, like, do you think that there's a solutions, not sides approach to something like abortion or equal pay or even any anything within the realm of women's rights? Or do you think that there's absolutely, like, you have to make a stance? No, I think, I think, absolutely think that, um, that we have to stand up and fight for these issues that, that, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's not just, um, important enough that women stand up and fight for themselves, but particularly as men, that we understand the impacts of these policies and that we're standing up for what is right also. And it's, unfortunately, there's a lot of men, a lot of older men in Washington <laughs> making these decisions. And, and that's why it's important that we have more diversity as well in Washington and, and, and representation so that there are people at the table who understand the impacts of the policies that are being uh, uh, the policies that are being made that can really have insight into um you know the consequences of these policies and and we should certainly have more women elected officials but we should have more diversity period um, when it comes to uh washington and elected office in general not just in washington but all over we 100 percent agree with you meg and i each have um we have two arms and we were both um, fisting in the air. So you had four fists in the air over here. Um, and then one of your other issues is improving our economy. How would you plan to do that? Well, you know, it's, it's, we, we, we got to do it the way that, um, that really makes sense and, and not giving, you know, get this concept of trickle down economics and, and, you know, this, this, you know, that we give more money, to the wealthy, and that they're going to, um, you know, bequeath us with, you know, trickle down effects and, and more higher wages and more investments to their businesses, and and that was the argument that Reagan and, and and others have proposed in the past. Certainly, Trump and the Republicans with the GOP tax bill, and what we've seen is what they did with their tax breaks was not invest into their companies, not, um, you know, and higher wages. What they did was they, for the most part, they brought back a lot of the stocks that they have. So they used tax, a tax break to create more individual wealth for themselves. And it's disgusting. Um, so we have to, one, we can invest in our, you know, which something I thought would have been done was invest in our infrastructure. Uh, our bridges and roads are falling apart. They're crumbling. 
and um, I know the Democrats have a you know a trillion dollar plan. We can create so many jobs by doing that. We can with a green economy and investing in renewables and getting off reliance on fossil fuels um, sources is is something that can help create jobs in, in the economy. And and there was a report that just came out the other day um, about the loss of jobs here on Long Island uh, through automation. So low skills. So I you know a few years ago. Uh, some of the local unions, 32BJ, SEIU, came to me and said, "Look, you know, we're we're we're, we're leading this campaign to $15 uh, minimum wage for fast food workers, and you know, we want you to be a part of it. We want you to lead these press conferences and coordinate these these efforts for us." And I was proud to do it, and we won this this battle and this fight, and was proud to do that. But now we're hearing that. You know, a lot of these jobs are going to be lost to automation. So the, we have to do something for low-skill workers, ensure that they have uh, sustainable jobs for the future, that they can take care of their families. And um, so there's a lot of work to be done. That's why the dysfunction in Washington is really crippling because they're not getting done the things that need to get done. And and we have to have a robust economy. Can you know? Um, and while while you know, working to protect the rights of workers and, and strengthening unions so people don't get taken advantage of. And unfortunately, that's not being done, you know. And the Republican agenda is attacking unions and trying to take away people's rights to, to uh, you know, safe work environment where they have, you know, uh, good health care and, and, and good wages. And it's just, you know, it's really tearing our country apart, and, and certainly in the middle class. One of your other issues is the environment. How, how do we turn um, this rotating rock around? Sorry yeah, to be so loaded with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, you know, I I listen to this and I watch this and I just, you know, scratch my head at, at how the agenda in Washington is just so driven by a corporate interest that, you know, you have Pruitt and others that are, you know, what they say is, is, is harmful enough, but what even frightens me even more is what they don't say and what they're doing behind the scenes to, to tear down regulations or not enforce certain regulations, and, and it's having an impact, and, and, it all, and it all has one thing in common. It's, it's the, the corporate bottom line, and to, and to, you know, particularly from a region like Long Island where we're particularly susceptible to climate change, you know, we still have people recovering from Superstorm Sandy, you know, particularly in my legislative district. People were, people who had, you know, their families had lived here 80, 90 years, had never seen an ounce of water in their homes from any past storms and, and had four feet and five feet of, of uh, water in their homes. And, uh, it's it's amazing, and I actually created a a, uh, a task force to review our efforts as it relates to Superstorm Sandy, and uh, looking at you know the the lead up to the storm, the efforts during the storm, and uh, after the storm, and part of its storm resiliency. How do we prepare for uh, the next event? Because there will be something that will happen. It may it may not be this year. It may be five or ten years from now. But what lessons are we using to to learn from from past from that past event? And uh, but you have to have people that believe in the science. You have to have people that have a strong environmental record. 
and I've been endorsed by uh, you know the local you know environmental groups in the past. My opponent Peter King, I think he has like a a nine percent a lifetime rating from the League of Conservation Voters. He's on the Climate Change Caucus Committee. I'm not sure how that works, but they must not look at an individual's record <laughs> on the issues before they accept them into the caucus because, you know, he has uh, accepted money from oil companies. He is, I mean, he's just a horrible record when it comes to the environment. Well, I guess that kind of goes into the campaign uh, finance reform. Right, you know, and, and there's so much, you know, when I ran for, for, for you know, started contemplating this process of running for Congress, I certainly had my impression and opinion of how dysfunctional things are. And I've, you know, it's far beyond what I ever thought. And the control of the special interest is really out of control. And, um, is that even you know, in the and, Democratic Party, you think? I think just the system overall. I think it's, it's there's, you know, anytime you have, you know, in order to get on a, you know, certain committees, you have to raise a certain amount of money. You know, it varies. You know, I mean, it's all driven by special interests. And uh, so it's, you know, so what we've done locally is, and, and, and Suffolk County is really a microcosm of the country. We're 1.5 million people as a county with a 24th largest county in the country. We're larger than, you know, 11 states. And, um, and we were able to pass, you know, public campaign financing. And, um, you know, it's, it's opening up the doors for others to, to, to have access to running for local office while diminishing the, the influence of local special interests. And we should be doing that in Washington. And we have term limits as well. So I think, you know, we need to do that at a federal level. One of the things that we're going to be talking about later in the episode is um, the primary results and how a lot of them were based on how much money people raised. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like what you uh, what you can pay to play is the, the way our democracy um, was designed, and fixing that is should be a huge priority. But particularly now, when when you see the influence of 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 uh elections i mean you know what so we well it was over a billion dollars that was raised and spent in the last presidential election i mean that's just unheard of um you know in the past and um it's only going to get worse and um you know and with the you know the the special interest of the the corporate special interest in particular that feel that they have in donald trump someone who has their best interests they're going to spend as much money as they can to keep getting the, you know, legislation passed um, and regulations reduced or eliminated that that suits their needs and not the greater needs of the people of the country. So we're up a, we're up against a, a you know a tough adversary, uh, but I believe that you know the power really lies within the people, and if we're awake and we're paying attention and we're looking at everything that that's going on. You know, um, we can defeat this corporate-centered agenda in Washington and really bring the power back to the people where it belongs. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, this has been a really great interview. You know, everyone that we have interviewed um, that's been from another state you know, other than Alabama, I feel like we've just, like, fallen in love with them. Um, no. <laughs> we had a very weird 
race here before our primary our primary was on june 5th i don't know if you um have kept Mm -hmm. up with any of the alabama politics going on but we had a very weird race here in our district between Mm -hmm. a white democrat and a black democrat and both of them were women Mm -hmm. and it was just so weird to see like how much things like campaign finance quote-unquote electability things like that like how it played a part in determining who won i mean Maybe you can guess who won, but it definitely wasn't mm-hmm. who we felt was the most deserving candidate. So it's really refreshing, too, to just hear someone come out and say that, you know, you have to take a stance on things for things to change, because that was another, like, theme to mm-hmm. the primaries here. A lot of people are saying that, you know, we need to all get together and take a solutions, not sides approach. Um, and Adele and I... Joey too we all I think we kind of feel like in doing so sometimes you you leave out the people who benefit from the solutions the most when you're compromising Mm -hmm. so it's just it's always really refreshing to hear other people agree with that because I think just in our little world we kind of feel like well maybe we are divisive and crazy and you know maybe we are being difficult but I don't think we are you know no not at all I think people want to Particularly in this, I've been involved in, in politics since 1991, and I haven't seen the level of energy and, and frustration and anxiety, however you want to describe it, um, you know, that I that I see now ever before. And people want to have a real sense that the people that they want to send to Washington in this time that really concerns them, that they that they're that they're passionate about what the issues are and, and bringing this fight to the to Washington and really creating change, um, and 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 have the strength and and the ability to get it done. And um, because it's it's a time like this, as as dysfunctional as Congress has been for for a long time, yeah. um, it hasn't in it hasn't garnered the type of passion and energy that we see now. And this is a particularly special time you know particularly when you talk i was just watching something a little while ago about you know the kids being torn from their families from you know people that come into the country and 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 that just you know that you know this is america and i think people have a real sense that the values of our country are being degraded and everything is being politicized and that there are real serious consequences so they want to understand that hey, you know, this is what's at stake. And we want people to understand that going to Washington that's going to fight to change that. And, and I understand that fight. And, uh, you know, we got to work together to get it done, and uh, we'll do it. And um, and have a record of getting things accomplished. And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's and, and, you, and there's in there, and you have to understand that there are certain things that are just, you can't compromise on. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, separating kids from their mothers as early as, you know, infants, you know, you know, the woman who was breastfeeding her child and she was ripped from her arms. I mean, you can't compromise on that. I mean, that's just if this were another country, we would be reported for human rights violations. I mean, this is ridiculous, you know, Um, so we have to understand what's at stake. Well, again, thank you so much. We just couldn't agree more with anything you're saying. Um, but yes, thank you so much for being on the show today. We've really enjoyed listening to you speak. Um, we're going to keep watching your campaign. 
And good, Great. And good luck to you. Yeah, yeah definitely good Hope luck. the best for thank you. you. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, and keep up the good fight down there, and uh, we'll uh, hope to see you guys in Washington uh, 2019. <laughs> we will see you. I hope we will see you in Washington 2019, if not before. Hopefully. Bye, Dwayne. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. All right. As you guys know, we had our primary election on the 5th of June. We're going to go over the results, winners and losers. Alabama governor, we're going to be seeing Walt Maddox with 54.6% of the vote, 154,559 votes took the Democrat candidate position. And he's going to be going against Kay Ivey. Who got 330,000 votes? 330,000, yeah. So, um, you know, even though Walt Maddox is like this great, you know, poster board, white cis guy running for the Democratic Party, um, he's going to have uh, some things going against him. Like 150,000 votes. <laughs> I just sure hope that he changes his attitude during forms whenever they have a debate the form that we had here in ufala uh-huh. he just sat there so arrogant i just wanted to get up and just slap him yeah i mean just his he was kind of like that at hunts too and Dothan. that's what i heard and i and it wasn't just me i heard it from someone else why is this guy so arrogant he's nothing special i've heard a lot of conflicting accounts of walt's involvement with special interest groups in tuscaloosa i don't know i don't really like him as a choice I didn't really like any of the gubernatorial candidates, to be honest. But we got what we got. I do think he'll have a very hard race ahead of him with Kay Ivey. I mean, just on name recognition alone. I would say he's got age going for him, though. Like, young and fresh. I don't feel like we have a lot of young and fresh voters. That's, that's like, the issue. I think we're working on getting more young people to vote. Like, with organizations like WokeVote, um, Rock the Vote. I think those things definitely help, but at least as far as, like, within the Democratic Party, I don't feel like a lot of our voters are, like, mobilizing the way that the Republican voters do. I think if I was Walt, I would be on the campuses, mm-hmm. like Alabama and Auburn, especially in Tuscaloosa. I'd definitely be on there campaigning. Yeah. And drive by the high schools, too. Yeah. Um, and then in District 1, we had Robert Kennedy with 80.8% of the vote, 27,562 votes. Um, and he's going to be running against Bradley Byrne, who ran unopposed on the Republican Party. Any relations to the other Kennedys, I wonder? Probably not. Not no, if he's living down in Alabama. <laughs> He'd probably be a Massachusetts guy. He read my mind. And then in District 2... Um, Tabitha Eisner with 60.4% of the vote, uh, 20,244. And there is going to be a runoff on the Republican side between Martha Roby and Bobby Bright. Well, since I didn't vote because I was out of town, I could technically go vote for the runoff now. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he's independent. Correct, yep. And even if you... Even if you identified as a Democrat, but you voted Republican, you could still go back. So anyone that didn't vote, you can vote in the runoff, whether you're Democratic or Republican. I think Tanner was telling me about that. Yeah. I did it against um, the alleged pedophile. 
Who would you vote for? Uh, Bobby Bright, hoping that he would lose. <laughs> <laughs> hoping that he would lose against Roby or Eisner? Eisner. So Barry Moore got uh, 18,105 votes. So I'm pretty sure like all of Enterprise just voted for him. I'm just glad to see Rich Hup- Hupson didn't get much. Hobson? Hobson. You know, Rich Hobson, if you're listening, I just want you to know that you are slime. <laughs> I think you're a douchebag. <laughs> just in my opinion. The one time I met you in person, I wanted to wash my hand after you shook it. Oh, ouch. That is a weird dude, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, that mo- like, he came up and he was looking at me so weird. I was creeped out <laughs> when slimy. I met him. I met him at some, we had some work function that I went to out at Lake Point and he was there. And I was like, who is this dude? He's like, yeah, I ran, um, what's that pedophile's name? Roy Moore. <laughs> Roy Moore's campaign. I'm just like, dude, I wouldn't, I would never admit yeah. that. And I just wanted to be like, yeah, my mother-in-law, she is running Audrey's campaign right now. Definitely wouldn't put it on my resume. That Oh, that's nice. He, okay, well, at Peanuts and Politics, though, he defended Roy Moore. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's in it. He's in doubling down, doubling down. Well, his uh, campaign picture has an American flag with a. He gave away like he gave away like a fucking assault rifle. This must be it. Of course he did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Please tell me it was like an AK. Yeah. No, not in this picture. Anywho, District Three. Yep. Got um, for the Democratic Party, Mallory Hagan. With uh, 65.8% of the votes, 21,382. Against unimposed, Mike Rogers for the Republican Party. I was really hoping Winfrey was going to win that district. I was too. Me too. Mallory Hagan wants to be on our show. Hey, Mallory. I mean, we can have her. (laughs) I I never talked to Mallory, but we talked to Winfrey, and she just seemed really great. And then in District 4, we have uh, Lee Allman. Am I saying that right? Almond with uh, 54. That was a close race between uh, Lee and Rick Neighbors. So Lee with 8,598 votes is going to be going up against Robert Adderholt. Wow, he got 81 percent of the votes. Um, and then uh, in District Five, I don't even know Joff Joff Ryan. Is that Joffrin? Peter Joffreon? Joffreon? That's how I would say it. How? We have a district where a Democrat is running unopposed. Uh, Tammy, or sorry, Terry Slow also ran unopposed. So did Dana Quinn. On the Democratic side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess six, uh, five, six, and seven. There's hope. Just get out and knock on some doors. Yeah. What about Mississippi, Adele? It looks like Michael only made it out with 30% of the vote, which is unfortunate. He was a really good candidate. His opponent, Michael Evans... Uh, will go against either Michael Guest or Whit Hughes. There's a Republican primary runoff that's going to happen in District 3 in Mississippi for all of our Mississippi listeners. And that kind of segues into our next topic, um, how, how money plays a part in politics. Yeah, so there was an article posted on uh, OpenSecrets.org by uh, Nahal Chrishan on uh, June 15th. And... A lot of the candidates, Virginia, South Carolina, Nevada, Maine, and North Dakota, a lot of the predictors were basically the people that raised the most money. And I mean, what Sounds kind like of- District 2. 
what kind of democracy do we have if the predictor of an election is based on how well the candidate turns the faucet? Maybe we should let the ADC answer that question. Ask maybe ask them how they choose their candidates. Do they choose yeah, their candidates based on? So you know the the fact that this comes out after the primaries, you know, as proof that what a candidate raises is a good predictor for their outcome in the election. I mean, disheartening number one, but number two, and I think the the bigger point is that that's not how democracy works. It's not a pay to play. And so what Dwayne Gregory is talking about doing in New York, I mean, can we get that nationwide? Like, hello, DNC, are you listening? Like, this is, this is what we want. This is what the country maybe not even wants, but needs. That it's not a pay to play. That the candidates are come forward based on their experience and their education and their platform. And to have candidates, once they are elected into office, focus on getting the job done while they're there in the first place. Not to turn around and start fundraising again for half the year. But if, you know, politics in America is just a giant GoFundMe, then go fuck yourself. I second that. (laughs) I don't think it's representative of the people. Yeah. Just speaking from our own district... I personally don't feel like the winner of the Democratic Party nomination represents me. I don't feel that she truly represents everyone in this district. That might be an unpopular opinion, considering a lot of people classified her as the more, air quote, electable, end air quote, candidate. Yeah, I heard that a lot after the primaries. Yeah. Well, they're more electable. What the fuck does that mean? That they raise more money? Does that make you electable? Does that sound right or democratic to you? That they fit a certain physical profile? Is that what you mean? I think it's inherently problematic. Yeah, because like what does, what defines electability? Dal and I both supported Tabitha in the beginning. We went to three of her events and at the third event, which our group, our group and enterprise organized or helped organize for her. Yeah, but the point is, if you're a candidate, your your um, electability <laughs> and um, it should be irrelevant. Yeah, it shouldn't really matter what you look like or how much money you're bringing to the table. I think that's um, that does a disservice. A disservice. And I've I've heard even after the primary, people admit yes, Audrey was a great candidate, but Alabama isn't ready for it. We have to slowly get into it. like. Even still, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I just, I, I personally feel like if Bobby Bright, especially if Bobby Bright uh, gets the nomination, I feel like people are going to vote for him because he's a man. He's a Republican. And I feel like even with Roby, like people are going to vote for her because she's the Republican. I feel like all three of them are more similar than they are different. And I feel like people are just going to cling, especially Republican voters, they're just going to cling to the Republican candidate. If they can't spot a difference, you know? Does that make sense? And you guys heard about um, Amazon and Starbucks in Seattle and how they're fucking over the homeless? No. So there was um, going to be a tax, and basically they had lobbyists uh, for Amazon and Starbucks basically like shut down this tax that was going to tax these two corporations who are, are very large in Seattle. And basically, the money that they were going to get from the taxes was going to help homeless homelessness. 
and they both just shut it down. So you have giant corporations that obviously have their hand on the faucet or their hand up the puppet's ass because it is a Democrat in office. Um, just saying, hey, you know, there's people without homes, but fuck those guys. Well, they're not without homes, so they don't know what it's like. Well, I'm not too surprised about Amazon because, I mean, they haven't paid taxes. I mean, they were able to get tax exempt for such a long time. But, the thing but is, then Starbucks, though, you would think they would. I mean, they just went to sensitivity training. They shut down Starbucks to go sensitivity training. You'd think they'd help out the homeless people. It's just like that, um, you know, when Henry Ford was building Fords and he realized, what good is it if the people working for my company can't afford the product that I'm making and selling? So if you have a giant population in Seattle that is homeless, they can't buy Amazon. They can't buy Starbucks. So if your bottom line is money, which it obviously is because you gave a big fucking middle finger to all the homeless, which, by the way, women veterans are the highest rising demographic of homeless people. So fuck vets, too. That's that's you give money for taxes and then those people have um, a, a quality of life raise so that they're they're housed and hopefully they can find a job and then turn around and buy your fucking products like that. That's money coming back to you then. But you're going to sit up there and just be like, no, mine. When you have more money than like, I think you're like in the top six of most wealthiest men in the world. Like, how is that right? It's not. That's the problem. I feel like when we talk about veterans, um, I don't feel like we really, like, see women as, like, the image. Like, when you say the word veteran... You think of G.I. Joe. You think of, like, a man. Yeah. Right? I feel like yeah. I feel like we really don't think about, like, female veterans or, like, their mental health or the obstacles they have to go through. And honestly, like, when I think about any, like, charitable event I've ever been to, like, for a veterans organization or that benefited a group of veterans, I've never seen anything done explicitly for a woman or for women. That's so... Mm. It's strange, but also very indicative of the culture we live in. Yeah. I don't know why I'm surprised. Yeah. Um, Yeah, most people just think that I'm a wife of a veteran yeah which is also true um but uh yeah i was in afghanistan um i was taking the bus to get on the other side of post and um i got lost and this army guy was going to help me get to where i was going and he asked me do you have a knife and i said no i don't have a knife and that's when he handed me a about a six inch switchblade and just said here you go like you need this so that's where we're at <laughs> anywho that got dark <laughs> that's okay it is Sunday the other thing um, that I wanted to talk about was Michael Eric Dyson um, he has a new book out called what the truth sounds like is that right did I say that right stand by what truth sounds like. Michael Eric Dyson is an academic author, preacher, and radio host. He is a professor of sociology at Georgetown University. 
He has authored and edited more than 20 books dealing with subjects such as Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Marvin Gaye, Nas debut album Illmatic, Bill Cosby, Tupac Shakur, and Hurricane Katrina. In 2018, Dyson participated in prestigious Monk debates and the semi-annual debate that takes place in Toronto, Canada. So this, uh, this debate that they had in Canada uh, is about two hours long, and he debates uh, Jordan Peterson and Stephen Fry, and I can't remember what the other woman's name is. About a pro or con, they take a pro or con stance um, against political correctness. You know, obviously, God, her name's Michelle something. Stand by. Michelle Goldberg. So Michelle and Michael take the stance of pro political correctness. Basically, like by recognizing intersexual, uh, intersectional politics, um, that we can kind of see meet and greet each other as human beings and not being grouped into groups that ne- like not would not necessarily self-identify. Does that make sense? Basically that that you society for the most part can put you depending on your race, your gender, how much money you make into certain kind of groups and that that group just kind of follows you and that's what you're labeled as. So intersexual why do I keep saying intersexual? Intersectionality politics basically like tries to bring everyone to the table as an individual and that that's not a necessarily bad thing to, to just have groups of people saying, hey, we don't want to be referred to as this. We would like to be called this and I'd like you to recognize this. You know, you and I are, are talking and I say something that's kind of rubs you the wrong way about you. Or just kind of like add some friction between our relationship I would want you to say hey I'm not cool with that I don't like that yeah and I reserve the right to do that and so do other people exactly and the the kind of ironic thing that happened in this debate is that Michael Eric Dyson calls Jordan Peterson an, an old angry white guy and like he is the one that gets like all pouty about it like salty as fuck and it's just kind of like like you don't even like that and like that's not even the worst of it like that was just so minute and you're already off put yet other people are just saying hey can we be recognized as human beings too and be treated with respect just like you are as the dominant group you know when you're in that dominant group that you don't even realize that you're a part of it like the story of the two fish and um, I've heard this before but Michael Eric Dyson brings it up in the debate like the two fish are swimming and like an older fish passes like a younger fish and like how's the water and the other fish is like what's water like if you don't know what it is how do you know that you're a part of it and like I think that's one of the biggest things that Meg and I have tried to explain in this in this is that if you're in it if you're a white male cis or even female like you're in it and it takes a lot to pull your head out and stop saying like you know just stop making it about yourself and that's exactly what jordan peterson did yeah he fucking made that that slight comment about himself well the funny thing about people who say that they shouldn't have to be politically correct is they feel that way until white people are under attack and i use air quotes there because white people are never under attack you literally can't oppress the oppressive group but like you like you mentioned when he got called an angry white man an angry old white man whatever 
Like that was the tipping point for him. That was what set you over the edge. Right. And, and it's like, who's the snowflake at that point? Exactly. And you're just proving the point. You're, you're missing the entire point and you're just proving the other point even more so. It's just, it's ridiculous. But the reason that I bring Michael, Di- um, Eric Dyson up is that he's coming out with a new book called What the Truth Sounds Like. And it's basically um, an encounter of Robert F. Kennedy's exchange between James Baldwin and our unfinished conversation about race in America. So that these conversations were being had for years now. And it's time. It is finally fucking time that solutions come about. That other voices get added to the conversation. And that change is made. Because that's all any of people in marginalized groups are asking for. Hey, can I be recognized as human? Can Can I be afforded? Can I be be represented at the table? Can I be afforded respect? Just like you afford all of these other people? So as we round out the end of episode five, some quick little updates and tidbits I want to share with you guys. Um, Fat Venture, the magazine that we talked about in episode four and in episode three, Uh, Just to let you guys know, they did meet their Kickstarter goal. In fact, they surpassed it. Um, So they're fully funded. And anyone who contributed to that campaign will get, um, you know, the prize level that you contributed to. So that's awesome. Congratulations to Fat Venture Mag. Um, That'll be something cool for all of us to look into. And it'll be one more way that you can be truly intersectional. Um, Another thing. I don't know if any of you pay attention to the Public Service Commission, but if you don't, you should start right now. Um, We have two Democratic candidates running, Cara McClure and Carrie Powell. Cara is running for place one. Carrie is running for place two. And so if you don't know anything about the Public Service Commission, they basically exist to ensure a fair balance between customers, uh, which, you know, us, and the utility companies who are big monopolies, and they don't care about us at all. Um, And it's important to have people on the Public Service Commission who represent the rest of us. So women like Cara and Carrie, um, I just want all of you to take some time out of your day to look into them. They both are on Facebook. I believe they're both on Instagram. They have websites. They use a hashtag, hashtag Team Cara and Carrie. And again, they're running for the Public Service Commission, place one and place two, respectively. Um, So if you can, please do check out Michael Eric Dyson's new book. He's also a winner of NAACP awards. He's, again, written several books. Um, But that's it for episode five.